I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 486. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's Word for yourself can feel daunting. And while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 486 guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 486 download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, the guide is already in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's Word in new ways. Now, this week's song, You've Already Won by Shane and Shane, is another recommendation by my friend Keith Farron. And I always learn a lot from my conversations with him. And lucky for you, I recorded our last conversation. It's a special bonus episode of More Than a Song. I call them Friday with Friends. And you can watch it on my YouTube channel at Michelle Nizat TV or on my website. Or it's in the podcast lineup of your favorite podcast provider. It's in between episode 484 and 485. Now, I I would like the song before I ever listen to it because I like almost everything that Shane and Shane puts out. They are dedicated to writing songs that reflect scripture. And so our passions are really aligned in that way. And so when I did add the song to my playlist, it reminded me of a section of scripture that I've actually been studying in my own time lately. And I can't wait to share it with you. But before we jump into Paul's letter to the Ephesians, let's listen. It's interesting that my friend Keith pointed me to this song because after my conversation with him on Friday with Friends, I decided to take some of his specific advice to put myself on a path to internalizing the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians says this in chapter 1, verse 19. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Raised, seated, put. These are all past tense verbs talking about our victorious savior. Uh, These are indications to us that he has indeed already won. 
Hallelujah. So before we explore a bit in Ephesians, though, I do want to make a few comments about internalizing scripture. And Keith calls it internalizing rather than memorizing. And I want to internalize this letter so that I cannot just not I don't want to just quote it, but I want to be able to talk about it from memory. Um, I'm not putting myself on a deadline or anything. I'm just doing what Keith what Keith recommends. I'm reading it in the same physical Bible out loud every day. Okay, not not every day, but most almost every day. Um, I forgot to bring my physical Bible to Arkansas where we're renovating a townhouse to put on the short-term rental market. And uh, the physical Bible that I keep there is a different version. So not only are the words in a different place on the page because it's a physically different Bible, but they are different words than the translation I'm internalizing. And I tell you this because I'm not letting those details keep me from repeatedly reading Ephesians. And I think sometimes we put ourselves in a box and we place rules around ourselves that keep us from engaging with scripture and connecting with God. You know, I had a listener ask recently if I used K. Arthur's method of inductive Bible study because I mentioned marking up the text in a previous episode. Why, yes, I have used K. Arthur's method and I've learned a lot from it and through it. But I also find myself saying something like, oh, I don't want my pens or my colored pencils with me. So I'll pick that back up when I get home. Or, oh, I can't remember the steps and then I give up. Or, oh, I marked the names of God in one way in my Bible early on and then switched it late in later chapters. Now it doesn't match and I've ruined my Bible. I mean, I could go on with other versions of the same argument. It's like if I can't follow the rules, whether it's because I can't remember them or for another reason, then I'll just interact with God's word another day. You know, it's kind of along the same lines of, well, I've blown my diet this week, so I'll start again on Monday. And I think that's why my bites are so effective. Bible interaction tool exercises. These are the things that I share with you um, because you can pick them up and you can mix and match them. And there really are no rules. You know, if you try one and it changes the way you interact with scripture, then that's a win. Um, in fact, I had a listener email recently and say, I've ruined her forever. She just cannot study without reading in context. Uh, my favorite bite is now her favorite bite too. And whenever she comes across a verse, even when she's just reading another book, she reads the whole chapter in her Bible. And I absolutely love that because she's taking in more scripture as long as it doesn't become a burden or a rule that then ultimately keeps her from reading the Bible because if she can't do it right, then she no, and when she no longer has time to read every chapter uh, for every verse she comes across, uh, and she then she gives up, right? So I, I just want to say the rules are great or the guidelines are great or the tools are great as long as they're working for you. But don't create a rule around something that then if you can't meet it exactly, then you give up. Okay, soapbox over, uh, moment over. Let's get back to Ephesians. So like I said, I've been reading through all six chapters most days out loud. Um, that is taking several bites, by the way. Reading, keep on reading, read aloud, and repetition to name a few. And really reading in context because I'm reading the entire thing. But I also took the bite of consulting an overview. And my favorite source for overviews is Bible Project. Um, they create videos for every book of the Bible and the video for Ephesians is less than nine minutes long. So being able to describe this letter from Paul in that kind of detail in less than 10 minutes, <laughs> it, it's, it really is an amazing feat. And I would love to be able to internalize the message um, of the of the book one day such that I could actually do that myself. But for now, the Bible Project has done a great job. And according to the video, Paul summarizes the gospel story and how it should reshape every part of our story. 
So in a nutshell, that is the book of Ephesians, a summary of the gospel story and how it should reshape every part of our story. So not a bad book to internalize. But as I read a little earlier from chapter one of Ephesians, um, it's in chapter one that links Ephesians to our song this week. So Christ is seated in complete victory in the heavenly places. As I mentioned, he's already won. How do I know that? Because scripture says God placed everything under his feet. And from the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, the trampling under the feet is an image for victory over one's enemies. So this idea that all things are under the feet of Jesus means complete victory. So where else in scripture has this phrase been used? I asked that question and I was sent around a bit. And so I've got a couple of examples. One from Psalm 18 verse 37 says, I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. And then Isaiah 41 two says, who stirred up one from the east? whom victory meets at every step. He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. So this trampling underfoot. And as believers, we also have victory over Satan. You can see how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 16. He says in verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So God will crush Satan under our feet. We will have the victory. And there are more examples of trampling an enemy underfoot uh, as an example of complete victory. And you could do a search for yourself. You could chase a few rabbits like I did. It was really interesting. Um, But now that I read this phrase, everything under his feet, when Ephesians chapter one, verse 22 says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. It's indicating that Jesus is victorious over his enemies. He's already one. But what about when Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 through 25? It says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He's going to win. So in one letter, Paul says God has already put all things under Christ's feet. And in another letter, he says he must reign until all his enemies are put under his feet. So which is it? Has it already happened or is it going to happen? Yes. So this is an example of the now and the not yet or the already but not yet. And I think of it this way. I've been studying story a lot lately. You know, as many of you know, I'm writing my first novel. And so I'm reading a lot more fiction than I used to uh, because I want to see what works and what doesn't work in story. And here's something that I've learned. Giving away the ending doesn't give away the story. (laughs) It can actually increase the tension when it looks like there's no way that it's going to end up there. Like, you know, that's where it's going to go. But along the way, you're thinking, no way is this going to untangle and end up where the author said this is where it's going to go. And I've been there, haven't you? You know, face in the dirt on the battlefield thinking, okay, Lord, you said I'm seated with Christ in the heavenlies, but that mouthful of battlefield dirt I just spit out doesn't taste like victory to me. In fact, there's no way this ends in victory, except we know it does because it's already been written. And have you ever been on the edge of your seat in a movie wondering how it will turn out? Well, it will 
only turn out one way, <laughs> and the way has already been written. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it starts out by saying, in him we have obtained an inheritance, but have yet to acquire possession of it. This inheritance that the author of our story has predetermined to give us, guaranteed even with the indwelling of himself, now and not yet. And our song says, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle you've already won. So let's look closer at Ephesians to see what he's already done, to see how it might inform what he's up to while we are still fighting the battles apportioned to us. So let's take the bite of starting with God. And by that, I mean all three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because all three are mentioned here in Ephesians chapter one. And when you take this bite, you are looking for God's conduct, his character, and his concerns. So, But for today, we're just going to focus on God's conduct, and you can follow the same process to then identify his concerns and his character. But the best way to see God's conduct is to look for action words in the text. Look for the verbs to show us what God has done or is doing. And then uh, we're going to take the, an, a bite of making a list. And so this is going to be a powerful tool for you to consult during the battle that you're facing. You've got your list written out based on scripture to rehearse what he's done. And then you can call on him for how he will act in your present and in your future. So let's start with verse three of Ephesians chapter one. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So number one on our list, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Keep reading. Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So number two on our list, uh, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So blessed and chose, two verbs, two actions that God took. And we could sit and meditate, honestly, on these two truths for the rest of the episode. In fact, I feel like I might be cheating you a bit by skipping past them. So add them to your list for now, but go ahead and make a plan to go back and take the bite of meditation, maybe even consult in commentary or study notes in your Bible to learn more about these two very impactful actions that God has taken. So before we leave verse four, though, um, even though we are creating a list of God's conduct, his actions, I do want to point out that his concern is evident here in verse four. So if you were wondering, like, what's the difference between his conduct and his concern and his character? So you can tell in this verse that he wants us to be holy and blameless before him. This is something that is of God's concern. He This matters to him. So my question to you is, is your battle related to holiness? Are you wrestling to be blameless before the Lord? And I have to admit, the majority of the time, my concerns do not align with God's concerns. I want to win material battles, and God wants me to win spiritual ones. So let's move on to verse 5. Ephesians 1.5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So number three on our list would be God predestined. And then I guess number four on our list is God adopted. So blessed, chose, 
chosen, predestined, adopted. God's God's really on the move here. Let's keep going. Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So here we are blessed again, but this time we can add to our list in number five, God blessed us with his glorious grace. And then the agent of this grace is the beloved, capital B. So this is a name for Jesus and it sets up the next actions. And they're worded a little bit differently here, but they are still evidence of God's conduct nonetheless. So verse seven says in him. So now we're talking about who's the him. Well, that's the beloved Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So number six on our list, God redeems. Number seven, God forgives. So we not only have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, but we have been given grace, a new family, redemption, and forgiveness. And verse eight says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So number eight is lavished. What did God lavish upon us? the riches of his grace. And then verse nine says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So number nine is made known to us the mystery of his will. And then number 10, God set forth his purpose in Christ. So what was the purpose? We just have to keep reading. Verse 10, uh, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. So um, in the uh, a commentary that I have on the book of Ephesians, it says God's plan is that all things which were created through Christ and for Christ and which held together in Christ will finally be united under Christ by being subjected to his headship. And then, and it goes on to say, in the fullness of time, God's two creations, his whole universe and his whole church will be unified under the cosmic Christ, who is the supreme head of both. And so you see that um, number 10, of course, God set forth his purpose. That was his action. And then we just do a little bit of digging or a little bit of thinking to understand that his purpose was to unite uh, creation, the universe and his church under Christ. There's a few more to add to our list before we wrap up. So let's hop down to verse 13. It says, In him, in, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So number 11, God sealed us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So in verse 11, which I read earlier, uh, but I skipped over here, it says, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. And then here in verse 14, it says, until we acquire possession of it. So this is similar to the phrasing of our song. I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. If the battle is won, why am I still fighting? Well, if I've obtained an inheritance, why do I yet need to acquire possession of it? It is because we are living between the ages. And I will not be able to fully explain it here, but I am going to link to a series of videos where Christopher Hall explains it so beautifully. It's two 15-minute videos, and I highly recommend you listening or watching them. It will be very helpful for you to understand what it means to be living between the ages. But just like in a story where the ending is written, but the characters still must overcome progressive complications to make their way to that ending, 
our ending has been written. And the Bible calls, um, according to the book, God's Big Picture, Tracing the Storyline of the Bible, the Bible calls the time between the first and second comings of Christ, the last days, for example, in Second in Timothy and in James. And this is the period in which the New Testament letters were written and in which we still live today. It lies in the intersection of two ages, this present age and the age to come. So the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. It has come with the appearance of Jesus on earth and through his death and resurrection. So Jesus spoke of the kingdom as a present reality. It has been manifest in his own ministry on earth, and it is now possible for anyone to enter it. But the kingdom is also something we must wait for in the future. It is only when Jesus returns that it will be fully introduced, and Jesus will say to his people, as he did in Matthew 25, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So if we have placed our trust in Christ, We belong to the new creation, but we have not yet received all its blessings. For the time being, we must live in a fallen world, which bears the marks of sin and of God's judgment against it. The now and the not yet is how we can sing this song. We have obtained our inheritance now in Christ and will acquire possession of it in the age to come now and not yet. Jesus is seated in the heavenlies with all things under his feet now, and not all his enemies are yet destroyed. The ending has been written, but he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, until his victory is consummated. So in the words of our song, I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You are my savior and my defense. No more fear in life or death. I know how this story ends. And this truth makes all the difference as you fight your battles, dear one. You who in Christ stand blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, and forgiven. So what's next? We'll read and reread Ephesians. Read it out loud. Read it in the same physical Bible to help you with retention and recall. Then sit down with a notebook and make a list of all of God's actions. You know, we've started in chapter one, but feel free to keep adding to your list as you interact with the text. Your faith will be strengthened as you rehearse all God has done for you. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at Michelle Nizat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And don't forget to grab that episode guide that I talked about over at michellekneesat.com forward slash 486 download. So with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who have subscribed lately, like Donna from Hawaii, Pam from Maryland, Braun from Australia, George from Maryland, Lindsay from California, Amy from uh, Maine, Crystal from Louisiana, Elizabeth from Louisiana, Leslie from Ohio, Nuri from Florida, Josh from New York, and Heidi from Pennsylvania. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneedsat.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you have not left a review yet, please do that today. You can head over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song or just leave a review in your podcast app. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Manasseh by Anna Golden to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 486. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.